Welcome to the show where we interview our network of B2B SaaS experts. This is the Notion Capital Podcast, hosted by Paul Papadimitriou. Hi, and today I'm with Taylor. Hi, Taylor. How are you? I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks. So for our audience, who are you, Taylor? I am a longtime product specialist. I've been doing operational product for quite a few years in the US and then here in the UK for the last 10 or so, and then have recently started working on the investment side as well. You are EIR at uh, Seedcamp. I've been following Seedcamp since the beginning. And a couple of years ago, I joined full-time to try and drive product thinking into the startup portfolio. And where that request is coming from is a recognition that, you know, the support that an investor can give to a startups can, you know, perhaps make a significant difference in their performance. And of course, is in everyone's interest. And so Rashma and Carlos had me come in and start to build some content and build some thinking around what does product mean at the startup level? How do founders need to be thinking about product, even if they don't necessarily have a specific professional product background? And what value can we add or can be added to a startup in terms of training them and either helping them with early stage questions or getting them ready for when they do bring on a full-time product function? What does product mean? to you? So product to me is the intersection between the user and the business. And so that requires primarily a deep understanding of the user, what the user is trying to accomplish, and putting yourself in the user's shoes, and then using your very important understanding of what the business needs and what the business wants to achieve, figuring out the right positioning of the actual product that the user interacts with, the various stages of engagement that the user experiences, and then, of course, describing that in the terms of the stakeholders you need to work with, most importantly, the development team, but marketing, design, what have you. It's always a bit frustrating for startups. Uh, I mean, it's a frustrating process to try to engage and understand what the customer actually wants. I mean, nowadays, we have way more tools to do that than in the past. I'm sure you've seen that evolution during your career. So what would be the few things that you would say that to cut out that frustration, how to best engage with potential customers before you decide on the product you build? I would say above all, you need to love the customer. And I know that's hard because traditionally software was built by a leader, the highest paid executive, or perhaps the founder of a startup saying, I think this is what people need. So we're going to spend a whole bunch of money and time building that, and we're going to put it out there and cross our fingers. And these days, because barriers to developing and releasing software are so low, and there are so many competitors out there, that approach doesn't really work anymore. And what people are learning at big companies and small alike is that you need to have a regular engagement process with your customers so that you can learn how they're responding at various stages of your development to the propositions you're putting forth. So basically what you're telling me here is that any startup needs to build a validation process. I would say they need to build validation into their thinking and into their culture. So when a couple of founders are sitting around saying, well, we think we want to make X, then they should have the practice of saying, how do we know whether or not that works? What does this actually achieve for our customer? How would we measure whether or not that's successful? How could we do that cheaply and quickly so that we don't have to commit a whole bunch of code before finding out if customers care? In your experience, especially working with a lot of startups yourself, do you see that this mindset is ingrained or is this something that still needs to be taught? I think the lean startup has done a great job of making customer development as a concept common in the vernacular 
But what I don't think is abundantly clear is actually how to do that. And I talked with lots of startups in various venture portfolios about how they go about it, what they find works and what they find don't. And I would say the most common challenge is not that there's no customer engagement. The most common challenge is that they have engaged customers, but they haven't really gotten anything out of the engagement. They didn't know what to act on. And that can be really frustrating and sort of turn you off to customer development as a concept. You say they didn't know what to act on, but sometimes does that even mean they don't even know what to actually look for or even ask for to the customer? They might be very generic and might not have the right process to know exactly what they're looking for. I would say the question is a little bit less what to ask for, and it's a little bit more how to ask it. So there are certain types of questions where you can simply say, what do you want? Though in most cases, that's not really true. Sometimes you need to ask, how have you done it before? Or would you like something more like this or more like this? Or give me a list of what challenges you over the course of your job or your daily life in the particular area that a startup may be trying to address. And then not only how you ask the question, but perhaps the format in which that research is done, whether it's better done face-to-face one-on-one, whether it's better done through a recorded script remote testing on something like TryMyUI or usertesting.com, or whether it's better put into a survey format. Each will produce different kinds of results and are more appropriate for different kinds of questions. Would you say that this needs to be accompanied by a doubling up of also analytics? Because basically my question here is, does the customer always know what they want? Or is it sometimes they say something, but actually what they do with the said software is different? Yeah, I would say analytics and A-B testing and so forth really comes into play when you're doing product testing, when what you're looking for is the behavioral output of the user, what you're less looking for is the insight that the user can offer you. So in what I would separate out as needs testing, where you're doing surveys, interviews, and so forth, you're asking for people to react to things. You're asking people to describe situations. You're getting your head around how they do their job or go about their daily life today so that you can understand the gaps that you're trying to fill. Whereas on the analytics side, you're looking at how they respond specifically to what you have to offer. And that you will have to build everything, not all the time, but in a lot of cases, you need to build fully functioning software to be able to use analytics effectively. And not only that, in a startup, you don't really have that much volume. Users are very expensive to acquire. And so getting statistical accuracy out of analytics is a bit of a challenge for a startup that's getting hundreds, perhaps a couple thousand users a day. How do you come around that? How do you get past analytics challenges? So the qualitative stuff, the needs testing is a really good way to do that. You get an indication of whether a customer would like one thing or another. If you want to get to the actual product testing, then what you typically need to do, let's say you're doing an e-commerce company and you have someone coming in, understanding your proposition, doing a little bit of exploration, and then marching their way down a product funnel by looking at doing a search, looking at a product page, and perhaps adding something to their basket. Now, the number of people that are going to achieve your ultimate event, which would be either first purchase or ideally repeat purchase, that number statistically is going to be quite small compared to the number of people visiting your site. And so your ability to extract meaningful insights earlier in the funnel is pretty helpful because you're just dealing with a larger volume. So for example, you could push choices further up the funnel. Would you like something more in this color or in this color, rather than letting them choose the color right at the end? You can do things like there are tricks like fake door, where you can 
put a button to indicate access to a feature that is you're contemplating building. And even if people are going to click on that button and they're going to end up with a pop-up window that says, great, thanks for letting us know that feature is not live yet, but we'll let you know what it is, you still get some sort of a statistical insight into their inclination or at least their interest. When we were preparing this show, there was this one sentence that struck with me that startups need to think beyond product. Is that what you're explaining there? What do you mean by thinking beyond product? Sure. So where traditionally the realm of product is to be thought of as the actual experience, the let's say the website or the app or what have you, when you're talking about your user, you want to think end-to-end engagement. And so that's going to include everything from their frustrations with whatever they're doing today that's not working that you're looking to supplant or complement or their process of looking for alternatives, whether it's a conversation with a friend or search on Google through the actual product when they engage with your product and then how that impacts them in their life. So if it is a thing that they are buying, are they then showing it to someone else and seeing if that person thinks it was cool or are they talking with their colleague about how this new process is better or worse than a process they had before and do they have to validate that with their boss? That's outside of the product experience. It's not necessarily in your funnel where you can get analytics on how many clicks they did and at what rate you need to think about the events that happen when they're not in your product that ultimately will drive back to your subscription rate or your repurchase rate or you know whatever ultimate revenue driver is creating success for you. Yeah, so you're there really thinking about the entire journey. You must be kind of difficult sometimes to acquire that data, those data points, how to find that I've shown this product to another friend or that I've made a Google search to search for an alternative because I was frustrated. So is that where customer focus groups, et cetera, come into play? Are there any other ways? Sure. I, I think those one-to-one conversations are probably the best way to do it. When you find customers that are your early adopters that love your product, they're more inclined to give you feedback on something. And I think those opportunities are quite precious. So one of the techniques that I have recommended to a number of startups and they have implemented with largely very positive results has been something called a customer council, where you're reaching out to your early adopters who are the ones that in principle love what you're doing and you're getting them to commit to you on some incremental basis, maybe six, eight times over the course of a six-month period of time with you know whatever reward works for them, be it a dinner or a couple of beers or perhaps a gift certificate to a restaurant if it's an expert system that you're looking for the insight of a rare type of customer into and have them engage in various types of research, whether it's you sitting side by side looking at how they do their job or it's them answering a survey or it's you speaking on the phone with them to ask them to compare your product to a a competitor's product. All those touch points can be quite valuable. And a customer console, while they are a very biased group, so you need to be careful about what you're trying to learn from them, they can be extremely helpful. How early in the process of a startup should that apply? Of course, you will tell me probably the ideal scenario is when you start building a startup, you already should have all these actionable mindsets in mind. But is there a point where it's too late? Or another way to phrase that question, have you encountered startups that had already grown, but then got stuck and needed help like yours to get unstuck and find what their true purpose was? Yeah, I have. And that typically happens when a startup has formed a proposition that works for an early adopter segment. So they've found product market fit for one segment. And product market fit 
is never a continuous thing. It, it works for one segment, and then you need to tweak it a little bit to get to the next segment you want to grow into. And so I have definitely a number of examples in mind when companies have come to me and said, you know, we were great, but we've kind of plateaued and we're, we can't grow revenue. And we try all the things we can to uh, tweak our funnel and change the design and so forth, but it doesn't really change our growth. And what they're not doing is meticulously asking the customers, like, how can we create more value for you? They're not going to the users that have left and asked them, well, how could we make this you know, more useful for you? That sort of research is helpful. So that was the second question. Your first question was more of a when, and yes, I would, of course, as a product person advocate asking the question very early. And there's some types of research that is good for asking questions really early. There's a book called The Mom Test, written by a couple of guys that are quite close to Seacamp here that teaches you how to ask questions in more of a cocktail party setting, quick engagement, three questions to five questions. You're not promoting or even talking about your product at all, but you are asking people to relate their experience in the situation in which you are trying to create value. So tell me about the last time you bought a X on the internet. How did that go? So forth. The other thing that struck me when we were preparing this is uh, you mentioned finding the smallest test. What do you mean by that? It's alluring whenever you get the energy up to engage a whole bunch of users to try and load it up with all the unknowns that you have in your business that you've been thinking about for the last six months, maybe even a year, and say, all right, we're doing a survey. Like, oh, I also want to ask this question. I also want to ask this question. And you can kind of overload a test so that it not only sort of weakens the results you get, but may bias them in a certain direction because you're trying to do too much. So that's one principle, keeping your test small. The other principle of keeping your test as small as possible is to be very clear about what you're trying to learn. And this is one of the biggest challenges. Startups will say, all right, we're going to do user research. We're going to go to this segment and we're going to ask them how they feel about this sort of proposition because they're expanding into a new market or what have you. But what I push them to do is say, no, decide the decision you want to make coming out of this test. And I appreciate serendipitous results are always wonderful, but you want to go in knowing what you're going to do with the results. And once you're very clear on that, you realize actually you can get the answers you need by doing a very limited set of things and not distracting it with a whole bunch of other, wouldn't it be nice if we had feedback on type questions? So that's what I mean, keeping it as small as possible so that you're answering the question you really need to answer. Well, since we have to cap this show off, maybe you could tell us where people could find you if they want to ask you some follow-up questions. Sure, I'd be glad to speak with anyone that would like to reach out to me. Easiest place to find me is on Twitter at concrete underscore VC, or they can catch me at taylor at seedcamp.com. I'm, I'm happy to engage uh, if anyone's looking for help. Well, on that, Taylor, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Paul. 